Wow! Look who finally showed up! Where the hell have you been, Mikey boy? Hey, who, me? I was just enjoying my time off. How was your vacation, Keenbean? You think we've been on vacation? I've been on Zoom every single week waiting for you to show up. What? Yeah, I checked what album we had up next, but all that I saw written in the notes was take off with Pat and Jack. I appreciated you giving me some time off to spend some time with my sons and bond with them. <laughs> Mike, you sweet, stupid boy. I wrote Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, the Blink-182 album. I don't care about your dumb family. All I care about is pop punk. You know that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, um, I'm sorry. This was uh, not what I intended to be talking about. This is kind of embarrassing. Why don't you hit me up or text me or, or call me? <sighs> because I left my phone on the other side of the room. What am I going to do? Get up and walk over there and grab it? Okay, okay, so you're just gonna sit there and cry about it, or can we get back to it and start this episode? I'm not crying, I'm just... <sighs> okay, fine, I'll stop crying. Whew, alright. Thank God. I was getting very uncomfortable. With that said, Keenan, here we go, baby! Season 3, let's stage dive in! Okay. Here we go, Mike. Take Off Your Pants and Jacket is the fourth studio album by rock band Blink-182, released on June 12th, 2001 by MCA Records. I don't know if you knew this, Mike, but the album's title is a tongue-in-cheek pun on male masturbation. It's not just about unclothing yourself. It's about taking off your pants and jacking it. Oh, boy. Wink, wink. (laughs) I have an admission. I did not realize the double entendre of this line for a very long time. Like, probably over the past year and a half was when it first really hit me. I just thought it was a funny joke. Like, haha, we're naked. I didn't understand the the jacket part of the jacket part. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it probably took me a while. I don't think I knew it right away, but I think I probably discovered it earlier than you did oh definitely i think it probably stems from having this album at a young age before that kind of thing really made its way into my life (laughs) into my my knowledge so i just always thought oh they're goofy they're getting naked like that's the thing that blink does so yeah in your defense they did run naked in a music video of theirs before this came out so wouldn't be surprised the album was recorded over three months at signature sound in san diego with producer Jerry Finn. The album had near-immediate success, becoming the first punk rock record to debut at number one on the U.S. Billboard 200 and achieving double platinum certification in May 2002. To support the album, the band co-headlined the Pop Disaster Tour with Green Day. Wow, two juggernauts, Keenan. We'll probably That's never right. see the two of them on the same bill again. <laughs> we'll see. And to date, Keenan, our favorite stat for these albums, <laughs> Take Off Your Pants and Jacket has sold over 14 million copies worldwide. Yeah, to date. As of October 25th, 2022. <laughs> so up to date. 
Now, Michael, June 2001, what in the world's going on here? Oh, what a month it was, Keenan. June 11th, Google launches Google Earth. Google Earth? Isn't that that strange, funny little app where you can see exactly what's going on in the world and see all the landscapes and look at directions and stuff? Yeah, you can take a bird's eye view of, of the world, of your routes. Uh, you can go to Street View at this point. It probably didn't exist way back in 2001, but I wonder how good the imagery was at this point in time because computers were probably pretty lame back in 2001. Yeah, I would say if it just launched, it probably sucked. But yeah, uh, yeah the pre-Google Earth days when you had to MapQuest stuff, print it out, that was always a, a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, especially because there was no redirection. So if you missed your turn, you <laughs> had to game over. backtrack and <laughs> return, return your turn. What a mess. Yeah. We're so spoiled these days. We really are. We should have, we should take more time to appreciate the little things like that. On June 15th, the LA Lakers beat the Philadelphia 76ers, our hometown team, Mike, 100 to 86 in game five to win back to back titles. Shaquille O'Neal is named MVP for the second straight year. Remember that game, Mike? Yeah, Keenan, this was a rough series. I feel like we've talked about it before, but Philly got off to the hot start. They won game one, and everybody thought that we were going to win it all or at least keep it close, and the Sixers did not keep it close. So we had that one game of real excitement around the city, and then Kobe and Shaq did Kobe and Shaq things. Who was on that Sixers roster? Was AI, uh, was that Dikembe Mutombo? Oh, man. I think it might have been Dikembe. Uh, Tyrone Hill, Eric Snow, Matt Geiger. Aaron McKee Aaron was McKee, six man. Yep, six man of the year. Juan Pepe Sanchez, I think, might have been on the team somewhere. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, what? Didn't we have a... Theo uh, Ratliff. Rajah Bell, you remember him? Yeah, Rajah Bell. <laughs> he was like a bench warmer. I but actually have... We the, were obsessed with him. I have the... um. The yearbook from that year, I believe. Like, I went to a game and got the oh, nice. pictorial souvenir yearbook. So, Oh, that's sweet. I'll do a deep dive about that. Maybe we'll post the whole roster on the Instagram post. <laughs> I'm down. Sweet. On June 18th, The Fast and the Furious, directed by Rob Cohen and starring Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, and Michelle Rodriguez, premieres. Wow, the first of a very storied franchise. Yeah, it's been around for so long. It just seems like it's always been a part of our culture. But June 2001 was where it actually all started. I got to say, I haven't caught up with the more recent Fast films. What are you on now? Like Fast 7, Fast 8. Now they don't even name them that anymore. Isn't it just like, there's one that's just Fast and Furious. This one is The Fast and the Furious. Mm -hmm. I think one was Fast 9. But I mean... That's a franchise that I never really got into, and I always think, oh, maybe one day I'll go back and watch all of they're them. They're so good, though. It was one that, like, I think we all made fun of back in the day, and then the more we started watching them, it just became, like, this cult thing. And, I don't know, I've seen, like, the first, I don't know, maybe three. I've seen them probably out of order. I think I've, I've seen, like, Fast 1, Fast 3, Fast 5. Maybe just all the odd numbers. That's my thing. Yeah. They're just cool movies. It's just a cool movie to see, especially in theater, so... Yeah, I think they're one of the few movies these days that, you know, we, everybody's used to streaming things at home. But these types of movies are still really fun to go see on the big screen. Totally. Let's go see one. You want to go see the next one? 
Yeah. No, I'm not going to start it fast. Fast 17? Fast 17. <laughs> Why not? We'll get caught up. We'll have a viewing party. Okay. Yeah, maybe I can get caught up. I still kind of watch The Sopranos, too, though, and The Wire. <laughs> oh, yeah. The ones that we always end up talking about. <laughs> um, all right. Cool. I didn't do that over the past 11 months, either. All right, Mike. Your favorite segment that we haven't done in months. Can't wait to bring it back. Celebrity Weddings. Go ahead and sing it, Mike. Celebrity weddings, celebrity weddings, oh, those celebrity weddings. On June 3rd, American writer and actress Tina Fey, Philly native, weds SNL composer Jeff Richmond in a Greek Orthodox ceremony at the Marion Tribute House in Marion Station, PA. Guess what, Mike? To this day, they are still together. Hey, that's a great 21 years plus yeah that's pretty good that's fantastic tina fey just seems like one of the quote unquote nice people in hollywood just down to earth yeah she's not somebody you want to divorce no yeah she's she's somebody you want to marry (laughs) yeah she's quite the catch yeah she doesn't seem like those classic celebrities she seems like more like a normal person than i think most celebrities actually do Mm mm-hmm that's part of, you know, being from the Philly area. It keeps you humble, you know? Totally. Yeah. We're just nice, humble, sincere people, Philadelphians. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what we're known for. All right, Mike. You ready for our, maybe our least favorite segment? Definitely our saddest segment. Very sad. Celebrity deaths. I gotta say, I've, I have not missed these sad moments in our time off, Keenan, but here goes nothing. Celebrity deaths were so sad these celebrities died. Uh, Mike, on June 26, who died? This is, I believe, a first for our program, Keenan. This is the first celebrity animal death. What are you talking about? Aren't humans animals, Mike? Just animals. Wait, what did you say? <laughs> I said, aren't... <laughs> <laughs> Is it aren't humans animals, Mike? Oh. I'm no scientist, but... To a certain degree, but this uh, animal was <laughs> a four-legged friend, Keenan. Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> a dog actor named Soccer. And um, when I first saw this on my, on my research site, I thought, that's so stupid. Who's this dog, Soccer? <laughs> and, but then I... I had to Google search, and the site did not provide any further context. It just said, dog actor soccer. I'm like, okay. Oh. So I Googled dog actor soccer, and it turns out that soccer was actually the Jack Russell Terrier that portrayed Wishbone on the PBS oh, series of the same name. Loved Wishbone. Wishbone was an all-time show growing up. It was just a great way for kids to learn classic tales and stories, and it was a show that really relaxed me. In an oh, yeah. odd way. It was just like easygoing. What's the story, Wishbone? Wasn't that the. What's the story, Wishbone? Yeah. Come on, Wishbone. What's the story, Wishbone? What's the story, Wishbone? What's the story, Wishbone? You want to hear a deep. uh wishbone memory that was unlocked when i read this yeah absolutely i had to get a like a oh shit what's it called 
Um, colonoscopy. <laughs> With the pregnancy, and they do like the thing on your belly. Ultrasound. Yes. Okay. Oh man, I had to get You've been out ul- of the game for too long. You need to have another kid. <laughs> I know. I had to get an ultrasound when I was like, I don't know, six or seven, something about a uh, heartbeat irregularity, and everything was fine, all good, no big deal. Yikes! Um, but I remember the hospital room had that on the TV while they kind of like. Oh, nice. I don't think they put me under, but I think I ended up falling asleep because it was just really dark and like all the machinery was making the humming noises. Yeah. So I just remember Wishbone. Do you remember what episode it was? No, I feel like I feel like he was always dressed as Robin Hood, even when it wasn't the story of Robin Hood. <laughs> okay, it was probably just the Robin Hood episode. <laughs> he always had the little hat on with the feather in it. I specifically remember one episode of Wishbone, and it was who was the guy who fell asleep for like a hundred years? Was that Rip Van Winkle? Yes, that was Rip Van Winkle. Okay, there was a Rip Van Winkle episode. I remember he was like wishbone like fell asleep bowling and woke up and it was just hilarious seeing a dog portray rip van winkle but yeah i don't know why that's the one episode i remember nice not wearing a robin hood costume during that one right okay so maybe that was i bet you in the opening theme song there probably was a scene of him dressed like that so that's why i remember that i think that's what it was yeah i think that's right wishbone didn't actually talk right it was just a dog on the screen like it wasn't like voiced over by michael j fox or something like that I think he did talk. Did he? I don't know now. <laughs> yeah, I thought he did talk. How else would he communicate? Probably should find this out. People just like communicate around him and... Larry Brantley as Wishbone. So yes, he did talk. Okay, yeah. I could have sworn he did. And he's still alive, so <laughs> that's good. Uh, The voice actor or... The voice actor Larry Brantley still alive. Yeah, the voice actor. Because we know that soccer died, so... Yeah, rest in peace, soccer. Were there multiple dogs portraying Wishbone? There had to be. Uh, I actually looked this up, and the same one was in pretty much every episode besides, like, one or two. Wow, soccer. What a freaking legend. Honestly, it's amazing that he lived at 2001, because they worked him to the Wishbone. Wow. R.I.P. Rip Van Winkle. All right. Rip Van Wishbone. (laughs) And here we go. Uh, slightly new format, slightly more streamlined, skipping themes, skipping our experiences. Let's go right to a little listening and right to some analysis. What do you think, Mike? I think that's fine, Ken. I think we pretty much talk about our experiences throughout these songs, so we, sh- we should have plenty to say about ourselves. <laughs> we'll see. Here we go. Track number one, Anthem Part 2. Or as they say in Spanish, Anthem Part Dos. Mmm. El Anthem Partos. Now, Mike, wasn't the anthem part one on the previous album, Enema of the State? 
It was Keenan. I think it was just called Anthem. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anthem. They didn't have the foresight to realize that there would be a part two. <laughs> really should have thought ahead here. It doesn't even sound like the original Anthem, though, does it? No, it doesn't. And I always, uh, we'll get into this as we go, but there was a couple tracks on this album that I feel like had a correlation or, or some sort of connection to Enema tracks, but hmm, okay, this was not really one of them, despite being titled after one of them. Go figure. So what was this one about? Uh, Kenan, first, first let me say, this was a great upbeat opening track. <laughs> there it is. Oh man, wouldn't be season three without without your little lines, Mike. I gotta figure out, you know, I gotta get back into the groove, so these little muscle memory tricks help me. So I gotta throw that one out there. Uh, but this is basically a kid's perspective, a young adult's perspective, singing from the point of view, asking adults to take a look in the mirror and uh, analyze themselves when they're criticizing kids coming up. Uh, you know, it's easy for adults to say, these kids are messed up, these kids have no future. And what Tom's saying is, hey, maybe that's true, but who do you think's the reason for all that? I think the theme is somewhat related, though, isn't it? The theme of Anthem was, if you remember, it was like that house party theme, right? Mm-hmm. Where these kids felt like they were trapped in the suburbs, they were longing for freedom, they wanted to kind of break out. And it was like that big house party where everybody was getting messed up and getting kind of crazy. This one is is also from the perspective of a kid and how, like you said, they feel trapped and they feel like the adults are kind of making the rules. Yeah, they talk all about how kids are governed by these politicians that they don't elect. Adults take care of all that stuff. And then it's this feeling of hopelessness and powerlessness that, I mean, whether it's rooted in like being an emo teenager or not there is definitely some truth there where uh you don't have that much control over the things that are happening in your life and sometimes that can you know really get to you kind of heavy for a blink song isn't it especially for the first song on the album like they don't usually dive into like politics elections i think it's their first politically charged or like really politically charged song that i can even remember of blink is that right that's not right to you yeah i don't really think i mean they probably would say this too that they probably just don't feel like that they their voice matters in politics like you know they're there are bands out there that do that kind of thing. Blink just never really did. Yeah. Um, and I would say it's a pretty, um, it's political in the sense that like everybody can relate to it and they call out like politicians suck, but it's not like a, like a Green Day or some 41 kind of political where it's like Bush sucks, you know? Yeah. It's kind of towing that line. It's like a very entry level 
foray into politics, I would say. Right. Probably as much as Blink-182 was capable of doing at that time. Exactly. It's it's almost like we saw a lot of it on like the New Found Glory Catalyst album, the Jimmy Eat World Bleed American album, where it's more just holding up a mirror to the culture as a whole. And, you know, politics is a large part of that culture, so... The end of the chorus, Mike, always hit pretty hard. I loved how they would launch into the, if we're f***ed up, you're to blame. Like, oh my God, that is so aggressive. Yeah, it's so true though, Keenan. Like, I still think about this all the time in terms of like how the previous generation always has a problem or makes a mockery of the generation that follows them. Like, millennials always seem to be in the crosshairs of the baby boomers. Like they're always criticizing how millennials act or what millennials do, whether it's avocado toast or participation (laughs) trophies. And in our current role, uh, I don't understand Gen Z. I don't understand how TikTok works. And it's just this never ending cycle of humanity. So for sure. Yeah. I love that message of like, if we're messed up, it's because of you guys. Like, your rules and your constantly telling us what to do and your messaging is the reason that we are messed up in your perspective. That's always kind of interesting. Like you made us this way. This was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And that was, I know know I'm mentioning it again, but the whole concept of like, there's that hard ass adult that's like, when we were kids, we didn't have no participation trophies. We just like you either won or you lost, but it's God, that you really hate participation trophies. No, I, I I'm indifferent to them, but it's that notion of, uh, it, you know, if we're fucked up, then you're to blame. It's like, well, six year old me didn't say I want a <laughs> yeah. plastic trophy, uh, when I participated in the YMCA basketball program. Like, I don't care. Yeah, but you definitely did though. After I got you my first one, it. I'm like, this is a pretty nice, pretty nice. <laughs> oh, we all win, cool. But it's that thing where it's like. Yeah, you know, it wasn't your idea. It's going to come up with that. That was the adults doing that. It's the adults that are creating all of these issues, and the kids are yeah. the ones that are blamed for them. Any other cool lines in this, Mike? Keenan, it's a great upbeat opening track. It also has my tattoo line. Whoa! Yep. Back to it, baby. I figured I would just, just dive in, get my feet wet. Dive in feet first. Oh, Nice. I think I mixed up a couple different uh, phrases <laughs> yeah, there. I think you did. <laughs> uh, hey, sounded great to me. I'm going to dive in head first and also get my feet wet. <laughs> Young and hostile, but not stupid. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's decent. So we're young. We're pissed off. We're mad. We're going to, you know, FSU, but... Uh, we're not stupid. But I swear we're not stupid. We're not stupid. You just don't want people to think you're dumb, which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll just get do one of those, like, couple words on one arm, couple words on the other arm, but one arm will just say, not stupid. Oh, okay. So you're going to get on Young and hostile, forearm. but, and then not stupid not on the other Not stupid arm. on your other forearm? All right. Yeah. It's, like, under your forearms? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Who knows? Yeah. I don't even know at this point, whatever. Like, where all your tattoos are. Yeah. Let's just say over the past 11 months, I got a lot of them lasered off, so. Mm, Yeah, okay. So we're starting fresh. Season three, we're starting fresh. We're going to start fresh. Um, Your bod is brand new. The same way that, you know, Blink didn't really have a great contingency plan between Anthem and Anthem Part 2. Yep. We never really 
thought too far into the future about <laughs> all my tattoo real estate. So exactly right. On to track number two, online songs. Josie, you're my source of most frustration. Forget when I don't meet expectations. Everything you wish came true. In the end, we all blamed you. Even though it's they all know you weren't the only one, two, three, four. This is the early days of the internet, Mike. Online songs, this was a, this was a big deal. This one made me smile in a lot of different ways, Keenan. Actually, I think I only smiled one way. Oh, okay. But for a lot of different reasons, a lot of different lines in this song made me smile. And uh, yeah, it was a nice throwback to our youth, that feeling of logging on to AOL Instant Messenger and seeing somebody that you had a crush on was also online. I think that's what's so good about this. This song just brings back the cool memories of like middle school aim. In fact, I like that so much, Mike, that this is my favorite song of the album. A little controversial, probably uh, unexpected, a little underrated of a song, but I do think it's the best song on the album. That's fantastic, Keenan. I love the song, and this is a close number two for me, and I had to really dig deep to make that uh, decision. So this was almost my favorite song, too, so now I kind of wish I had made it mine. But mm, Sorry, buddy. It's just fun when we have the same one. That, that opening line I is know. just so... Like the Josie, you're my, like, that's one that always just like, I loved it from the first time I heard it. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of that opening line, Mike, it does sound like this song is a follow up to the song Josie from Dude Ranch, which is about a young and blossoming relationship. And this one is about the ending of relationship, failed relationship. So I think it's a direct response to that original song. Exactly, Keenan. This was one of the ones I was alluding to on the last track but yeah Josie from Dude Ranch which is one of my favorite Blink songs ever but there was a line in that song where Mark's singing about his girlfriend and he says she's so smart independent I don't think she needs me quite half as much as I know I need her Mm. I wonder why there's not another guy that she'd prefer so that song's all about how he kind of feels inadequate to this girl that's just out of his league out of this world too good for him and uh this one kind of shows maybe the breaking down of that relationship They talk about how she's kind of moving on, dating other guys, and he's forced to watch it happen, which is kind of the problem with breaking up with people when they're in your sphere, in your friend group. Like, what do you do? How do you navigate that? You're kind of forced to see them now date other people. We've seen that happen. Like, we've been in groups of people where, you know, people date and they break up, but everybody's friends with those people, and then they're forced to choose sides. I think we've talked about that extensively before, but um, it brought back this feelings of awkwardness when like okay how do you navigate this now 
there's just so many details that you're not even trying to learn about, but they find their way back to you. Yeah. Like people will say, hey, Mark, did you see like Josie making out with this guy like in the car, like on outside his house? It's like, no, like you don't have to tell me these details. Like I'm trying to get past her. And then the online songs nature of it is just he's just trying to chat with his friends. And there's Josie. Yeah. And he knows that she's probably talking to other guys, ignoring him. And it just it drives you crazy because we were at a very young age, but there was always that like tension of like talking to somebody like, do I make yeah. it? it was like making the first move? Like, do I start the chat? Do I wait? And then sometimes they would sign off and you'd be like, oh, no, I was going <laughs> to chat them my up. opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'll say. The fun part of the song is thinking back to aim and it's like there's nothing better there was nothing better back then than coming home from school on like a friday afternoon this is like after the video game era although it was always good to go home and like play video games but once we discovered aim you'd get home from school you'd open up aim you would immediately see who was online like who is active who is there and mm-hmm. then you just slowly see all your friends start to pop on and yeah, of course. Like, you're always waiting for your crush to come on. You're like, oh, my God, there she is. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it just brings back that, like, weird butterfly feeling of of um, seeing your crush's screen name. Yeah. Uh, do you remember your crush's screen name, Mike? Could we talk about who your crushes were? I was going to ask if you can remember my screen name because I think I can remember yeah. your screen name. Okay. I'm going to guess yours. Um, okay. Air Moyne. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Airmoin like eighty seven? No, it Wait. is it is a random number though. Okay, damn it. Well, let me see if I can get yours first because okay, was yours uh, KJ Runner three two one? Yeah, it was. Is it three two one? Yeah, I've had this conversation with so many people recently, like where we would guess each other's. I don't know why, but I've been guessing people's um, middle names and screen names. That's been like my thing lately. That's fun. Yeah, my yeah. um. It was Airmoin 14, so... Oh, 14, yeah. I'm pretty sure... Were you 14 when you made it? Maybe that's what it was. No, it, it wasn't even that. I think my favorite number was four, but... Somebody took Airmoin four. was either four. taken. I think it was a weird... It was a weird, like, declaration I made back in the day, because I liked the number four, but it was always taken for every sort of, like, sports team. Yeah. So then I said, you know what? My favorite number is 14. Because nice. it was always available. So You just overshot it, yeah. Yeah. Like it has nice. the four. It has it has a one there, too. Um, so, And I think when I was making my screen name, uh, Air Moyne is just a reference to Air Jordan. It was a joke on the basketball court because I was, you know, the tall, uh, lunky guy that was <laughs> never touching rim. So. <laughs> uh, that is true. Um, can I tell you a quick misheard lyric? about the uh, aim part of this song. Oh, sure. That'd be fun. And I am not fine. Last night I saw you online. Your screen name used to be mine. Why can't we just pretend? That one part of that line, your screen name used to be mine. I always thought that he was talking about them sharing a screen name for some reason. Like they were so close that they just had the same screen name. Like, I don't know, like a married couple these days would have the same email or would share a phone. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was always so confused. And it took me until now listening and reading the lyrics to realize he's saying like, you're mine as in like a Valentine. Like your screen name used to be mine. I used to own that. Like I used to own your heart. And I was like, okay, that makes way more sense. Yeah. I was kind of in the same boat. Like, did they just log on 
It's like, what's the point of having a crush? Because you can't talk to each other. Like, did you <laughs> yeah. ever try to have a conversation with yourself and it would just like bloop, bloop, shoot bloop. back and forth? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes so, when I was really lonely, I would do that. I, I love would, you. I love you. Or you would just uh, send like awful, nasty messages to the bots. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, talking to those bots was great. Future child or whatever. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so good. Yeah, I think you came to the right conclusion there. Like, you know, it was mine. The same way you carve your names into a tree together, you would carve your screen names into the worldwide virtual tree. Exactly. Sure. Let's call it that. that. Big old heart. I'm going to move on. You good? Yep. That was a really strong point to end it on. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Track number three. A pretty big one here, Mike. First date. I believe this was their second single of the album, and I would argue it's the biggest song from the album, the most popular song. Probably people who only know Blink in Passing, this is maybe like one of three to five that they would know right away. I thought the exact same thing. Of the singles from this album, this is definitely the biggest, or at least the most lasting. It has the most lasting power within the current pop culture landscape, and maybe not too current but i just remember this being on all those mtv and vh1 shows back in the day it was used as background music or as go to commercial music yeah that forever forever it's just such an easy song to throw anywhere and it just works perfectly for a lot of different things i think the theme of the song was inspired by tom DeLong. He wrote it for his then-wife, Jennifer Jenkins, and it was about their first date, which happened to be at SeaWorld in San Diego, where they were from. So he was literally talking about those emotions that you go through and those feelings that you go through during your first date with somebody who then becomes your significant other. And I think it perfectly captures like that incredible nervous energy that you don't really get anywhere else. It's a feeling that's hard to replicate, especially... Because it contains, or I should say it combines love and also young love. Being young and insecure portion of it, I think is just as important as like the emotional like power behind it. Because you're so unsure of yourself. You're so uncertain of your actions. Like, is it cool if I hold your hand? Like, that's crazy. (laughs) Like the Beatles sang about holding hands in 1964. But, you know, here you are and you're just, you're so nervous around this person that you don't want to cross any boundaries or or ruin anything good that's happening. So it's like, hey, is it cool if I hold your hand? I mean, uh, we'll probably never kiss, right? Like, I don't know. (laughs) It's like that perfect combination of both excitement and also terror. And you're just thinking about all those little decisions that you're making and how it could affect you. Like, oh, holding somebody's hand could progress into kissing them. and Or they could be totally creeped out by me and stop this romantic endeavor in its track so yeah it's just kind of wild yeah i remember being a teenager and it's like girls were just 
were just scary, intimidating, I should say. Because mm, I would say also scary. <laughs> scary. They they mature faster. They were way smarter than we were. Oh my god, yeah, still are. In our case, way prettier than than we were. Oh, hundred percent. Couldn't get much uglier. <laughs> but I think <laughs> I think we have to have discussed my first date with Abby, right? I feel like we went over this in the past, but I don't know if. If we did, I'd love to hear it again, at least the Sparknotes version. So we weren't quite as young as Tom and his wife were. Maybe, maybe. We were probably around 18 in, in college. So um, it was Valentine's Day because we had kind of started dating right before Valentine's Day. Yeah. So our first big real date was we went out to dinner at a Thai restaurant at Penn State. And that was uh, that was the big first date. It's a big so. one, dude. Little Pad Thai. Nothing more romantic than that. Yeah, it was yummy. With peanut sauce. It was yummy. Abby <laughs> dropped her uh, phone between the booth and the wall, which oh, is like no. really hard to get get oh it out. God. So, and you um, married that idiot? I did. Yeah, I did. Oh man, it was wow. cute at the time. I didn't realize she would be this stupid for the rest of our lives. Seriously, it's not like she's gonna listen. So it doesn't matter. Just kidding. I should say, in the, our time off, she graduated from her master's degree and became a nurse practitioner so wow congrats yeah. abby that's i'll huge. give her some props she's very yeah. smart nice job very round of applause for abby um can i ask you a quick follow-up question about that first date sure do you remember having those feelings of like oh should i hold her hand should i kiss her was that also that wasn't also your like first kiss night right like, you've kissed before that i imagine uh actually Keenan, we still have not kissed <laughs> oh okay <laughs> two kids but still having kids it's an incredible record and we're gonna hold on to it yeah uh, no i was kind of thinking that too like it was our first quote-unquote date but the first time we realized we were we had a mutual interest in one another the thought of our very first kiss a target that i'm probably gonna miss or likely going to miss <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah all those emotions where it was kind of like and you probably had this too like i don't think you have to marry a girl to have that feeling where like you're just kind of staring at one another awkwardly like yeah okay we both want the same thing but what if what if i'm an idiot and you don't want the same thing it's like the situation is obviously calling for these two people to kiss and yeah you just gotta uh stage dive in yeah that's right <laughs> sometimes you gotta swallow your pride and do it yeah for sure there was a very iconic music video that went along with this mic can you tell me about it yeah this was a fun music video keenan blink's music videos are kind of hit or miss for me uh, but this was one that, in addition to, I think, this song being the most memorable single from the album, this music video is uh, hands down the the one that has the most lasting power. It takes place in El Segundo, California in 1974, and it really just features the band driving around in a old Volkswagen van just doing fun stuff like hanging out, going down water slides, playing wiffle ball on the front lawn, and... um the main reason why it's still relevant in today's culture is there's actually a gif of Tom that has been pulled from this music video and, it, and still makes its way around uh, the internet as a reactionary gif. Is it him mouthing what the fuck? Yep, exactly. That's yeah. so good. His character Boomer mouths what the fuck. And uh, I guess it first became popular in the late 2010s, but it's actually from the scene where they're playing wiffle ball. And it's, I'm laughing, and it's so stupid, uh, but the classic skinny yellow wiffle ball bat, he hits the ball, but he, he lets go of the bat. And so the bat jams into the tire spokes of the bicycle of a girl riding by who's wearing 
like the dental headgear that you would wear to like go to sleep or whatever or keep yep. your teeth aligned and she falls off the bike and her headgear just drags along the street like sparking. and like sparks <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's just tom mouthing what the fuck <laughs> yeah it's so great and um when i first saw that gif years ago i'm like oh that's tom but i couldn't have told you where it was from so it was kind of cool revisiting this music video that's awesome and I think there are a couple of cameos in this. I'm pretty sure a couple of the bros from Newfound Glory, uh, Jordan Pundick and Chad Gilbert, are featured in this. I didn't know that until I looked it up. I actually had to go back and like actively look for them. I think Chad Gilbert is the one who hits the ball. He's the one with the wiffle ball bat, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I believe okay. so. Yeah. Which one was Jordan? I actually couldn't find him. I think Jordan's in the very beginning. Um, oh, okay. I'm not going to take the four minutes to rewatch it. That's fine. But um, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Yeah, because I think they were touring with each other at the time. And so that's pretty cool because, I mean, obviously Newfound Glory had their own fame at the time, but there was really no bigger band than Blink. So to be featured in their video is pretty cool. And the one hilarious Easter egg is at the very beginning of the music video. I actually rewatched this with a couple people recently. I think me and Pootie. Um, like randomly watching pop punk music videos as we do. And we were watching the beginning. It opens with Tom DeLong and the band walking in and Tom's like, yeah, so I ended up uh, kissing my own brother. And and then Mark's like, oh, well, you know, like father, like son. And then Tom's like, ah, you said it best brother. And then they just launch into the song. And it's like, dude, what was that? <laughs> so funny. Just the random stuff that they say, like the super inappropriate stuff is always so good. You know, like I was saying, man, so I walk in there, my brother's around, and I, I end up kissing my own brother. That's you know? far out, man. That's what I'll say. It's fucked up. You, you know, know what I'm they saying? say, man, like father, like son. You said it best, brother. That's actually the perfect lead into the next track because Blink has a lot of sophomore humor, and some of it, I think, yeah. still really lands, and some of it is just like, I guess it was funny at a point yeah. in time. Not even saying like that's it's not, that's not like inappropriate or whatever. It's not like offensive. It's just like, haha, like, yep. Like, okay. Totally agree. Yeah. This one is sometimes a little hard to listen to, but it's uh, track number four. Happy holidays, you bastard. It's Christmas Eve and I've only wrapped two fucking presents. Christmas Eve and I've only wrapped two fucking presents. And I hate, hate, hate your guts. I hate, hate, hate your guts. And I'll never talk to you again. Unless you're down so it's a very short i think maybe 40 second song We've seen pop punk bands do that before. I know that Sum 41, as we discussed, is known for having like a 30 second to minute song of just like super high pace, super powerful, kind of hits you in the gut real quick. This one's kind of the same way. Obviously, it's super vulgar in its content. But I would say to keep it very high level, it's really about dealing with your family during the holidays, right? (laughs) And how that can be tough at times. Yeah, not even just your family, but 
maybe your significant other's family in yeah. this case uh somebody else's dad and somebody else's mom doing certain things to you <laughs> yeah uh, but uh. i will say i coined this one short but not so sweet keenan oh nice and when i am wrapping christmas presents i do think it's christmas eve and i've only wrapped two fucking presents christmas eve <laughs> So, like, that line does go through my head. The rest yeah. of the song, I don't really try it. I try not to think about too often. And I shouldn't say that because the line about the uncle eating all those hot dogs <laughs> yeah. and shitting himself. My grandpa. My grandpa just ate. Is it the grandpa? I think it's the grandpa, yeah. See, it's 40 seconds and I can't even get, like, the two lines right. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It does remind me of an interview that Tom did one time. I can't remember when I saw it or where I saw it. But somebody was just talking about their rise to popularity and he was saying how – you know, they really hit some fame with all the small things, which was on the previous album, Enema of the State. And that one was like fairly PG and it was fairly appealing to like young kids. It had all those nice na-na-nas. Mm-hmm. Um, There's nothing super vulgar about it. And so because of the popularity of that song, parents started bringing their kids, their young kids to concerts. And then they show up to the concerts and the parents are mortified to see that The band is making like poop and dick jokes the entire time between songs. They're throwing inflatable sex dolls into the crowd and they're just like, oh my God, what is this? This is not what we signed up for. And so I think about people like spinning this record, hearing the first couple songs like, oh man, these guys are good. Like very introspective about relationships and, you know, a little bit of politics. And then you hear this song, you're like, what is this? Yeah, no, you're definitely right. And you just totally reminded me. We've neglected to say online songs has some great na na nas. Yeah, it does. All the small things does. That's right. Really shame on us for missing that one. But yeah, and it's funny because recently Jack's starting to get into music, and a lot of the music he likes are like you know kitty songs. But he does pick up on certain songs that like we'll listen to. Like there are a few Beatles songs he likes. Uh, He likes some funny songs like Macklemore's Thrift Shop. That's so random. Yeah. Wait, you guys are listening to Macklemore's Thrift Shop? I don't even know how it came up. I think we just play. It just came on in the car one time, and he started saying "What, what, what, what?" Like the nice. opening part of that song. What, 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 I have a playlist of songs he likes. A couple songs from Cars, Life is a Highway, that's a good one. My point is that I was looking for certain ones of these songs that are inappropriate and he's repeating a lot of stuff he hears these days so i don't want him to say inappropriate stuff at school or to people that he shouldn't be saying it around yeah so i went through the old kids bop discography discography Uh uh-huh and the very first ever kids bop which came out kind of around the same time as this album featured all the small things so oh nice
your point, uh, parents probably bought their kids, like the kids' bop CD. Yeah, which featured all the small things. Blink 182, and we're like, oh, a family friendly band. That's where it came from. Wow. Track number five, Story of a Lonely Guy, or as I like to call it, Story of Mike Moynihan. <laughs> you know what, Keenan? Weeks ago, uh, when we first decided on this album, I thought, you know, I really miss doing the podcast. I can't wait for Keenan's stupid ass joke. <laughs> for this song. Here it is. <laughs> Perfect timing. All right, let's hear it. I actually think this is a super underrated Blink song. has more of a slower, sadder, melancholy vibe. But I actually really like this song. There's something about it where it's slower, but it's still very catchy. It makes me think of, wow, you can really tell that Tom is kind of going in a different direction with the music that he wants to make than where Mark and Travis are going. And we see that more clearly with self-titled and then what they choose to do in their side projects going forward with Angels and Airwaves versus Plus 44. Yeah. Uh, how Mark and Travis stay pretty much true to the pop punk roots. And Tom follows this more slow paced, but like spacey anthem sort of route, which I think this song is kind of the precursor to, I, I guess I could say. Yeah, for sure. So this song is about a kid who's, pretty much too nervous to interact with girls, right? It's a kid who just does not have the confidence to be able to talk to girls or flirt with girls, hence why it's about a lonely guy. Right. I said it was kind of like an incel anthem before incel (laughs) was a term that we put a definition to. Yeah, that's true. But don't incels like, aren't they so awkward around girls that they then start to hate girls? Isn't that kind of their thing? I think that's... the. (laughs) <laughs> not to defend incels i think that's the reputation they get okay but on a basic <laughs> definition level incel is just an involuntary celibate so okay yeah a guy gotcha. that i guess hypothetically would like to be in a relationship but finds it difficult yeah yeah but then they end up hating people because it's like well it's everybody else's fault it's not something that i need to address on my end of things that's interesting yeah so that was always the theme that i heard as I was listening, as I was reading through the lyrics, this is the first time that I actually caught a reference to prom, which is kind of interesting because really prom is like the most high level anxiety moment or event for a young kid. And so for somebody who is this like lonely guy in cell, that must just be his hell really like trying to get up the nerve to dance with girls, talk to girls at like the biggest social event of your high school career, really. I'm always nervous on days like this, like the prom. Yeah. That was one of the big 
benefits about going to an all-boys school is that those little interactions between girls our age or girls we were into, we didn't have to live in that every single day, every single minute of every day. There was no, like, intermingling between class or other people knowing that, like, this girl turned you down when you asked her to prom in the hallway. It was just, like... At least from my experience, I would just like call my friends that like I wanted to hang out with and say, "Hey, will you go to the prom with me?" There was never any additional like there's a lot of pressure for this girl to say yes, like I don't want to be like going by myself. I don't know. I just always knew that I would go and hang out with my friends and have a nice time. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, jokes on you, Tom, you loser. <laughs> uh, very true. It got me thinking. Did you have any like really memorable, awkward moments with girls or like anxious moments with girls in middle school or high school? Is there any that really stands out? Nope, not a one, Keenan. Okay. <laughs> I can't even Mr. think Suave. of the good thing about having no relationships whatsoever <laughs> is that you can't have any bad ones. There you go. Okay, fair enough. I guess was I an incel until I started dating my wife? <laughs> yeah, that's why I said this is the story of Mike Moynihan. This is just your Holy anthem. crap. Um, girls liked being friends with me, and I didn't hate them because they wouldn't sleep with me. So <laughs> let's not get it twisted, folks, okay? <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fame's podcast host, Mike, is <laughs> canceled for, be- <laughs> for being an incel. <laughs> Honestly... I can't think of anything that was like, oh, that was awkward. You know what? Okay. Oh, man. Okay, so this is awkward. And this is the combination of you mentioning the prom thing. Yeah. And this is just not really my doing. Okay. We don't need clarification. Just tell us what awkward thing happened. Okay. So there was a girl, again, (laughs) who I was friends with. and You want to throw any names out there? I don't. It's not worth it. You tell me her name and we'll edit it out later. I'm curious. Okay. Okay, nice. Have I told you this story? Uh, Well, I don't know. Let's hear it. All right, I'll tell you now. I don't think so. So she was uh, a friend from grade school, and this was probably freshman or sophomore year. And I still talked to her on a regular basis and still, like, hung out with her in group settings. Yeah. So I think I invited her to, like, soft hop or something, some dumb dance like that. And she said no. I was very shocked because I was like... She said no? Yeah. She just said, oh, no. I'm like, well... Wow. Okay, but can I ask why? Because I was like, again, just going as friends, like, didn't think it was a big deal. Yeah, that's what we all did back then. Yeah. And she told me that she thought that I was into her, liked her, liked her, I guess. And she didn't want to give me the wrong impression or give me the wrong idea that she was, like, into me or something. I'm sorry, but back then, at least this is what my parents said. And there were girls that I definitely did not want to go to these dances with. But my parents said, you will never, ever, ever say no to a girl who asks you to one of these dances. Right. Because, and again, we're like fun guys to be around, but it's not like we're winning any sort of beauty competitions. (laughs) And for the most part, yeah, if you had your choice of any person, you don't always get asked by that person, but you still go and you have a nice time. Definitely. And you're 15. So like, who gives a crap, you know? Yeah. Um, But my parents were the same way. It's like they took the time to ask you, you know, it's a special night for them. So just go and be a nice kid. And these are your friends from grade school. So I don't know. It's just like such a weird thing to think about now. Yeah. But the oddest part was, and this is where I will mention names. So after she had told me, no, I don't want to, I don't want to go. I don't want to like make you think that I'm 
in love with you or something. And I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, I just moved on to my next friend. Like, and it wasn't even yeah. like, um, whatever. And who was that? I think I ended up taking Sam Rakino. Oh, nice. Wow. Sam Rakino, if you're listening, you're Mike's option number two. I know. I think was that was a dance where you took Rachel and I took Sam and we met at the boathouse. And then, oh, um, yeah. And then the dance was just like in the foyer of the prep. It was like really shitty. That was really weird. The funniest part was then our boy Tom, Tommy Mackel, also asked this girl to the same dance <laughs> because, again, same friend, same friend group. And she said yes. And so she still went to the dance and I hung out with her the oh entire God. night. Well, clearly she was into Tom Mackel, I guess. I guess so. And then the final part of this story. Oh, my God. So which many now twists. I'm getting emotional. See, usually you ask me and I say, oh, I just have my wife, Keenan. Yeah. <laughs> but I do have some prepubescent drama. Yep. She then asked me to one of her dances like a year or two later. And I said, sure. She did? Yeah. Oh, my God. We were, oh, we you were should friends. have hit her with the same response. That would have been so amazing. No, because I... Missed opportunity. I liked her and we were good friends. So that's why I was so baffled by the whole like oh. thing. So I wish she rejected her. That would have been so amazing. It did change my impression of her. I was kind of like... Okay, you think you're hot shit? Like, yeah. She was that kind of person, though, a little bit, though, wasn't she? She always kind of had an edge to her. Yeah, she thought she was, like, the coolest thing or the hottest thing. Yeah. She was a very nice girl, but I was like, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just 14 and, like, trying to, Yeah. to that extent, I will say, you know, you do get nervous, like, asking people, even if you know that they'll say yes, because sometimes they say no. Damn, dude, you originally said no to my question, but you ended up having like the perfect story for this situation. Yeah, I know. that was the story of the lonely guy. Kind of. But I ended up at the dance with my friends. So true. It all worked out. Posse. Well, I'm emotionally drained after reliving that high school story of being utterly rejected by the girl of my dreams. So, how about we cap it there for this week? Good with you guys? Fantastic. We'll catch you back here next week for the second part of Blink's Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Until then, hit us up, poppunkproj.gmail.com and at poppunkproject on Instagram and Twitter, patreon.com slash Hot Punk Project. Love y'all. See you soon.